0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning everybody. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on a Monday. Hope your Monday is going well. I'm one of, I'm the type of person who needs a lot of coffee on a Monday morning. It was a jam-packed weekend full of soccer those are where my responsibilities lie maybe you've got uh, you know the wife and the kids or the the husband and the kids or the the job that sucks up a lot of your just dreading getting up and going to work on monday but it's also and, and i know that i'm talking to about what 95% of our audience when i say it's also usa mexico week and that's got to get you jazzed a little bit whether you root for the United States or Mexico or neither and you just enjoy the rivalry, it's 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 fun. I don't know if it's a big match. I don't even know if it's going to mean anything. I think we all kind of recognize that this is a bit of a a money grab on a Wednesday night in San Antonio, but it's going to be, it'll be fun. It'll, it's, I don't know, resumption of hostilities, something. On today's program, we'll have Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer Inside MLS to review the MLS weekend plenty to talk about there four teams can't score goals on the weekend which guys stop like MLS please we, we need to we need a little bit I'm not one of those people who says make the goal bigger find a way to increase scoring Americans don't like sports with low I, I'm not one of those people I can be a traditionalist I can get something out of a goalless game but we need a little bit more scoring people let's let's pick up the pace here We'll talk to Kyle about that and other things on the MLS weekend. Colorado with a win. Philly with a win. Bill Hamid with a fumble. And uh, DC United loses two points at home. LA beat Seattle last night. Good stuff there. Jeff Kasouf from Equalizer Soccer will join us to talk about the NWSL opening weekend at 1040. So we'll go over all of the happenings in the National Women's Soccer League with uh, one of the foremost experts, Jeff Kasuf. That should be a good discussion as well. And then the phone lines will be open after that. You can go ahead and mark down that phone number. Remember, we've changed it it's slightly different. It's a lot different because it's different numbers. That's how, that's how it works. 646-832-3909 is the number. Call in later. Not now, later. I, I know it's confusing when I give the number out, but I don't ask you to call in now. Call in later. Uh, headlines from the weekend Manchester City, uh, beat, uh, Manchester City loses to Manchester United, excuse me, at Old Trafford, four to two in the Derby match. It looked like City was going to go and have some more success at Old Trafford the way it's been the last couple of seasons. I saw Jimmy Conrad with a clever tweet and said, Hey, maybe City can, should consider playing their games at Old Trafford. They've done pretty well there the last couple of years. And then Manchester United decided to turn it into, to kick it into high gear. Uh, it was raining. It was typical English football weather and, uh, and Manchester United, the old hands put on a bit of a show in the aftermath. Manuel Pellegrini accepting some blame for the, uh, for the performance doesn't want to talk about his future yet, but this is the thing that's going to happen with City when they fail to reach their goals. And look, they wanted a, a title last year. They've got two in a couple of seasons now. It's not as though they've been a failure with this project. But as we've seen, when when they fail in Europe, already out, when now that they're going to miss out on the title and Chelsea's going to walk away with it, Manuel Pellegrini's job is going to be under question. I understand he doesn't want to talk about it immediately after this game, but he also said, hey, the season's gone in the trash, and here we are. Meanwhile, Louis Van Gaal, look at this story, is out partying after the game with players from the Manchester City women's team. Manchester City women's winger Tony uh, Duggan posted a photo of herself with United boss Lee Van Gaal. The Instagram picture showed a smiling Van Hall posing for a, cel- a celebratory selfie with Duggan and fellow city teammate Isabel Christensen, as well as Everton player Michelle Hinnigan. What, what? And then, uh, and then apparently Duggan had to delete the picture because city fans were pissed off. You think? You think? I mean, you want to go hang out with Lou Van Hall? He's a legend. He's got a, a track record a, a mile long for winning titles in the game you play. Fine. But you should know better. You really should know better than put it on Instagram. Don't put it out there into the world. Go have a drink with it. Pick his brain. Oh, have. come on. Come on. Halftime of the L.A. Seattle game last night in MLS. We got the roster for the Wednesday friendly that I mentioned against uh, Mexico from the United States. Uh, Juergen Klinsman making some, uh, you know, expected choices with a couple of wrinkles. Not a lot of width in the midfield. Uh, but you do have a couple of, uh, interesting names popping up. Lee Wynn back in the team and Miguel Ibarra in this team again. You look at the forwards with Josie Altador ruled out through that red card he picked up in Switzerland. Juan Agudelo is back in this team. Julian Green is back in this team. Jo- Jordan Morris, the kid from Stanford, who the, uh, uh the, fo- <laughs> The discussion buster. I don't know how else to describe Jordan Morris. When Jurgen Klinsman talks about how he needs these players to be challenging themselves to the highest level, and he goes and picks Jordan Morris, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if he's trolling us. I'm sure Jordan Morris is a very good player. I've talked to some people who know this game inside and out, and they say he's going to be a good player. But to keep calling him into the senior national team is just an odd choice, considering the other things, the other mantras of Jurgen Klinsman in charge uh, while he's been in charge of the U.S. national team. Now, obviously, this is a team limited by the fact this is not a FIFA window. He doesn't have the option to take players from their clubs without their clubs releasing them. DeAndre Yedlin gets a release Um, the same a week, you know, a couple days after, or a day after, excuse me, he makes his Tottenham debut. That's an interesting thing for Tottenham to do, and it's an interesting thing for Jürgen Klinsmann to do, to have him fly all the way across the Atlantic to play in a game, fly all the way back and try to get back into... into the Spurs team and build on his debut. Chicharito Hernandez scored his first goal in almost six months in a three nothing win for Real Madrid over Ibar this weekend. Cristiano Ronaldo also scored in that game. And by virtue of Barcelona's two two draw with Sevilla, Madrid is now only two points back in La Liga. So it's getting a little tight. Barcelona did not finish out their match. They've paid, they're paying for that from ESPN. When Barcelona were up two nothing through Lionel Messi and Neymar with just 30 minutes to play, At Sevilla on Saturday night, they seemed set to take a giant step towards sealing this season's La Liga title. They didn't. Mistakes from Claudio Bravo and Gerard Pique allowed Sevilla to draw 2-2 and allowed second-place Real Madrid to move within just two points of the top. Luis Enrique lamenting his team's inability to control that game, and that's not something you normally talk about with Barcelona. When we talk about Barcelona, you talk about controlling a game And, and maybe not killing the game off. In the way that most of the teams around the world have to do that, which is sitting back, packing it in, playing, uh, playing a lot of defensive soccer. Typically they close off, they close out a game. They choke it, they, they choke a game by controlling the ball. But when you make mistakes and every team is prone to mistakes at some point, you have the opportunity to lose points. And now things are getting tight in La Liga. Back to the Premier League for just a second. Chelsea wins 1-0 at QPR. While celebrating the winning goal, Bratislav Ivanovich was hit by a lighter thrown. Did I say Bratislav? Bratislav? Yeah. Get his name right. Uh, hit by a lighter thrown from the stand. So the FA will open a, an inquiry into that little situation. I don't, I don't understand people throwing things. I never will. I, I don't, I, I don't know. There's, there's really no other, there's no other way to say. It. How stupid are you if you're throwing things from the stands? I don't care if it's a cup of soda or a lighter or a coin or bags of urine. The fact that you are, you're throwing things from the stands, just, uh, reprehensible, incon- uh, incomprehensible. I don't understand it. Uh, but hey, you know, this is, uh, this is the passionate game that we all love. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, Kyle McCarthy will join us from Fox Soccer. We'll talk to him about the MLS weekend and the storylines therein. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. You're facing the
1: crowd.
0: You're talking too loud. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning talking a little MLS from the weekend with Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer Inside MLS. By the way, I discovered that if you go to insidemls.com, it redirects you properly. I, I I typed it in, Kyle, not thinking straight, and then I was like, "Oh, that's not going to Oh, it does work. That's very nice.
2: You no, it, it's funny. I try and make it as easy as possible for people to visit the website.
0: <laughs> there you go. That, hey, that's the name of the game. Kyle J. McCarthy on Twitter. If you're not following, you should be. Kyle, uh, you, you look around the league this weekend. A couple of interesting things happened. I, I'm going to go with Colorado and give them some love. 4 nothing. win over FC Dallas on Friday. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a result out of nowhere because this is MLS, but certainly considering the fact that the Rapids hadn't scored yet in 2015, for them to drop 4 on a on a team that we think is pretty good in FC Dallas has got to be a surprise.
2: It's a surprise certainly, and Colorado deserved the goal at some point during during the opening weeks of the season. They had they had done enough to score, and and somehow they they hadn't managed it. And uh, the the absence of Matt Hedges w- was a big deal in that game, and Colorado exploited the uncertainty. In the FCD back four, and, and rode it all the way to a, a really important result for them to sort of find a, a foundation going forward. Do
0: they do they have? um You know, I I don't know what the, what to make of them yet, Kyle. And, and it is still pretty early, but do they have enough in the tank? Do they have enough talent there? I mean, Dylan Powers is good, we know that. Dylan Serna, they've got uh, they've got some defensive strength with O'Neill and, and the like. Uh, but they've they've now got a a rookie striker up top who scored uh, Dominic Baji is, is there enough there
2: not yet uh, they're going to need to do some reinforcing in the in the summer transfer window of course they've already got Kevin Doyle uh from from Wolves coming in uh, on a free transfer during the summer but uh, for the rapids it, it all starts with making the best use of the talent available i don't think they did that uh, in the first few games of the season I think they're getting closer to it. I think the the setup you saw on Friday was a little bit uh, more conducive. I would still like to see Shane O'Neill in, in a lineup at some point, uh, but you can't fault the experience uh, that the Rapids have trusted uh, to get that result in Frisco. Uh, so it, it, are the Rapids for real? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a good result and I think you have to treat it as a one-off and then, Uh, see what the Rapids, uh, do over the next few weeks.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, you know, as you said, trusting the, trusting the experience there. And I'm certainly Pablo Mastroni is a guy who is, is probably going to be pragmatic first. He's not going to be coming out and playing some, some super expansive soccer. And they've been pretty good defensively to start the year.
2: Yeah. No, they, they have a solid base at, at the back, which, which is good. They, they went out and made some, some intelligent additions during the off season. You look at guys like Bobby Burling and, and Michael Harrington. Those are guys who understand what it takes to put together a decent defense in MLS. And they got Clint Irwin behind them. And uh, there have been some strides in that side of the ball, and then that's been that's been good for the Rapids. It's just a matter of finding that consistency going forward, and being able to transition from when the, they win the ball to uh creating chances down
0: the other end. Now, it seems to have taken the Rapids 6 weeks uh, 6 weeks into the season to to figure out how to score as you said they might have deserved some goals uh but they weren't getting them. Meanwhile, you look at the New England Revolution and the Columbus Crew, I'm sorry, Crew SC, and they can't score either and that's the, that's not necessarily an expectation. What uh what exactly about that game created a a goalless situation?
2: Uh, it was, it was two things. One, the conditions inside Gillette Stadium were awful, uh, particularly in the first half. The wind was, was just atrocious. And that, that happens in spring in, in Foxborough. And in two, uh, you had two sides that were pretty familiar with what the other team wanted to do and did everything they could to, to really stop it. So you had Columbus with plenty of the ball and no incisiveness through the lines. And New England really struggled to find opportunities to get on the break and, and threaten the crew because Ah, uh, they can get in behind on the fullbacks. And once you get that sort of stasis, it becomes difficult to break it.
0: Uh, well, how long are we talking until new england is is really at full throttle here with the with, with with the injuries and and getting everybody back into this lineup?
2: We need a few weeks to to get everyone on the same page. It seems to be one thing after another. this weekend is Chris Tierney. Uh, who was out with an ankle injury and, in. and his absence makes a big difference because he's their, their best set piece taker and their best, uh, crosser of the ball. So it's a, it, it's been a, a tricky start for the Revs. I think they've come through it all right. Uh, they managed to get some points. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a few more weeks until everybody's firing.
0: Uh, just let me take a twist on the, on the Rev situation. Juan Agadello get to call up to the national team. Uh, Kyle, for that game on Wednesday night that you're covering in San Antonio. Is he really back? I mean, look, this is a, a special case. It's not a FIFA window. Josie Altador is not available because of that red card. Is, is Agadello back to that level or, or we still, we still need some time for him to, to recapture uh, what he was doing with New England the last time around.
2: There are flashes, uh, that he can get back to that level. I think his movement has improved over the course of the season. I think you look at the goal he scored in Colorado last weekend, that's certainly a a building block for him to take forward, but he needs games. Uh, He hasn't played a lot over the past year, and I think some of the the, the sharpness that you're looking for at the international level will come for him uh, over the next few weeks as he sorts of settles in, but uh, for, for Agadello, there's there's an opportunity there. Uh, when you look at the, the forwards available to in Clemson at this point, uh there's a there's a vacancy sign out front and, and he can be a guy who who helps fill that void. And the fact that he's in the squad to face Mexico on Wednesday gives him a chance to impress. Yeah. He, he wants to take it.
0: It'll be interesting to see if he can jump ahead of guys like Rubio Rabin who's still developing into the the full player that he's going to be, but has been getting significant looks from Klinsman. Obviously, as you said, the forward core, the forward pool, not not super deep right now. Uh, back to MLS. Uh, let's talk about Philadelphia. They get a win over New York City FC. A late goal from Vincent Noguera gets them that victory. They had uh, a bloodied uh, Sebastian Latou. Uh, Zach Pfeffer essentially scored with his backside. Uh, this... Uh, you know, the Philadelphia needed this win pretty desperately, Kyle. I, I don't know if you saw it as a step forward in their play or just some bounces went their way.
2: Get the result and worry about everything else later. I think that's, that's the important thing for the Union right now. And, uh, they also were able to, to get some steady ground between the sticks, which, uh, McCarthy, uh, there were, there were a couple of hiccups here and there, but, but the Union were able to get through the game and, and get a late result. And, and that is critical for them, particularly in the way that they struggled at Kansas City a weekend ago to close out games. Uh, you need to, you need to find a way to get points when they're on the table. And Philadelphia was able to do that. Uh, there's still a lot of work to do at PPL Park, but, uh, Saturday was a good day for the union.
0: And on the other side, I imagine that Jason Christ is going to be none too happy that they went down 95 and couldn't at least get a point from that match. Uh, you know, they, they seem to be a, a work in progress. Uh, meanwhile, you know, and we'll get to Orlando City and their win in, in Portland in a minute. When we compare those two teams, they're just not going to be naturally compared throughout the rest, through, through the season. I certainly see Orlando having maybe stepped out ahead of, of New York City FC. When you, when you look at NYC FC, what is it that stands out for you where they really need to improve in order to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe even chase a playoff spot in sixth place?
2: They're going to need to reinforce the defense if they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, they're, they're doing what they can with the pieces they've got right now, and it's worked out okay. But when you look at it from a pragmatic perspective, that's that's the first step. You have to you have to go out and get a commanding center back who can really provide that solidity, and and mycfc just doesn't have it right now. Uh, so I, I think. When you look at MYCFC, you're, you're looking at a team that's good at keeping the ball, that has WD up front to provide that sharpness, but you want, you want that, that leader at the back, the guy who you know is going to be able to, to really grab a game by the scruff of the neck and say, hey, we're closing it out. We're getting the point in PPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's, let's see out the game. And, and I'm not sure they have that
0: well, yet. Well, I mean, you have a, you have a converted fullback in Chris Winger who's playing in the middle. You obviously have, uh, Jason Hernandez is a, a long time veteran, but I, yeah, I, I don't know that neither, that, that either one of those guys is where they need to be. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about a, a dominant center back or at least an MLS dominant center back to push them over the top.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's right. But that being said, six teams make the playoffs in the East. So everyone's going to be <laughs> in the mix for a while and, and it gives you plenty of time to, to figure it out, yeah. uh, and and see whether something will will shake loose during the summer you, transfer you,
0: you mentioned that six teams in the in the playoffs from each conference this season. Obviously, that's uh well over half the league and a, a very um a large number, too large a number for most of us. Do you think it's had an impact on the play? I mean, we got again, we got two scoreless draws this uh this weekend uh, with New England, Columbus, and Sporting Kansas City and RSL. And there's been enough. There's been enough of these games already that I think we're tired of them, and I think it's already approaching last year's single uh, total. Is that partly down to the amount of, of of room these teams have to work with when it comes to playoff places?
2: It, it might be. Uh, it might factor in uh, to game plans on on some fundamental level. But I think the the bigger picture is more influenced by the fact that. A lot of teams just aren't firing on all cylinders. They're not in a rhythm yet. They're not, uh, producing the sort of soccer that they want to see. And that's really the brass tacks of it. It's, it's not so much about, you know, we're thinking about getting, getting a point here or there. I mean, coaches always think about that, but you want to see teams really putting together good performances Consistently, and we haven't seen a lot of that through the first six weeks
0: of the season. Yeah, certainly, uh, rhythm is difficult for a lot of reasons—not um, just the the typical start up to the season, but you've had a you've had the international break to 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 mess with things. Certainly, injuries seem to be a problem. We're we're, we're getting a lot of players. Clint Dempsey missed out for the Sounders last night. You had uh, Aries Tegu- Agueda missing out for the for the Union with a calf strain. Th- these little injuries are popping off. David David Villa's already missed a game. These little injuries are popping up. I don't know. If there's a trend here to, to draw from, Kyle. But certainly, that's that's got to be frustrating for coaches.
2: Well, it's certainly frustrating because the the depth in the league is is an issue. When you have a rapid expansion and you have a salary cap that's less than four million dollars a year, you're going to have some problems when your best players pick up knocks, and it extracts a toll on the quality of play. All right, it it's pretty evident that you can't compensate when those best players mm-hmm. miss out on games. Look at, look at what happened in uh, Seattle uh, and LA Galaxy last night. Clint Dempsey and Robbie Keane both out. Mm-hmm. And it was a decent game, but it, it never hit the heights that you would expect uh, from those two teams, partly because the two best players that were supposed to be on the field weren't there. And MLS right now isn't in a position to compensate when its stars aren't on the field, and mm. it's showing.
0: Yeah, certainly, that, that, that game, and uh, let's, uh, let's actually come to that game since you since you brought it up. I certainly thought that, as you said, it, it was an okay game. Ovafemi Martins tried everything he possibly could to score on Jaime Pinedo, and it just wasn't working out. Uh, Lamar Nagel was fairly effective, but L.A. did what this is. this To me, it seemed like a very Bruce Arena performance, in the fact that they didn't have Robbie Keane he made some adjustments. He throws Alan Gordon. He may not have an option, but, uh, Villarreal not ready, throws on Alan Gordon. They, they become a bit of a, a direct route one team and they don't really need to, to stretch themselves in order to do that. I mean, they, they, they may be lucky to get the goal, uh, Kyle, but, but in the end, that was very LA.
2: Yeah. Uh, LA needed a result and, and they went out and got it despite the fact that Robbie Keane was hanging out with Curtin Alfo and, and David Beckham up in the up in the suites and uh, that was a that was important for the galaxy and it was important for Jaime Pinedo who is uh, been a little up and down has had a difficult start to the season uh in terms of getting that consistent form for for him to produce the display that he did last night I I think was was good for him uh Lamar Nagel uh is, is still I'm sure trying to score ahead or past uh with the way that game unfolded
0: last night. Yeah, day. absolutely. Uh as you said, LA needed that needed that uh that win pretty badly. Uh lots of things to, to happen through the rest of the season, but when you see LA scuffling the way that they have, uh, you might wonder what's going to shake out in the West. Uh let, let's go to a team that uh was looking to get back into the the Western Conference uh, picture in terms of challengers, and that's the Portland Timbers. They lose to Orlando two nothing. From everything I've seen, and I watched a bit of that game, Kyle, that looked more like Orlando winning that game than Portland losing that game, and I think that's a surprise.
2: Orlando came in uh, to Providence Park and absolutely dictated terms. Portland had no response uh, to the way that, that City came out and established the tempo of the game and, and took control and possession. And it's it's peculiar to see a Timbers team so... So distant in that setting, usually Portland can find a way to rally the troops and muster the energy to, to disrupt the opposition. It, it never happened yesterday, and Orlando City found a way to use its possession. Uh, they got a goal from Kyle Aaron, which was critical for them to get something from a from a front runner. And they just signed up the game professionally. They were by far the better team, and and Portland simply had no answers.
0: Yeah, and, and and to give away, uh, to give away the penalty the way that they did, and then to have the encroachment after the after the first attempt was saved, and Kaká gets another shot at it. Uh, it just completely took the wind out of their sails.
2: Yeah, and it it sort of sums up how the afternoon went. They just were never in sync with what the game demanded, and. Part of that is, is is Portland's desire to play a little more directly now without Diego Valeri. They're, they're bypassing the midfield more regularly, but at the same time, you've got to engage in the game a little bit more than the Timbers did yesterday. Uh, they weren't good enough across the board, and, and it showed.
0: It how much of that, and I've already gotten a little bit of stick, especially after they had a big win last week, Kyle. But how much do you put on? How much of that do you put at Caleb Porter's feet? Because I'm all for coaches learning on the job and, and figuring things out. And, and maybe he has adjusted his philosophy to better suit the, the personnel he has available right now, certainly with Diego Valeri on the sideline. But not to have your team up and ready to play against Kaka and you, you know, it's going to be, uh, gritty at the back with the really call. It just doesn't seem that the, that Caleb's quite got a grasp on, on how to direct that club right now.
2: It's tough to make an assessment on that front with Valeri still on the sidelines. He makes all the difference for the Timbers, and I think you have to have some patience in Portland. Uh, The performances on the whole of the season haven't been good, uh, but you need to to really focus on the fact that there's there's an upside coming when you get Valeri back, and you have to see how that alters things. Uh, But certainly yesterday was not good. It at all.
0: Let me turn to the Houston Dynamo 3 nothing win over Montreal. Uh, Montreal has not looked, um, it, they haven't looked great. They obviously had the Champions League to uh, distract them. They're in the final, and I think that's, uh, that's maybe enough for them right now, Kyle. It's going to be difficult for them to, to kind of pay attention to both fronts with, with everything that they've got, and, and maybe Clobus will sacrifice on the league level. Is, is that a matter of a hangover for them? And, and look, I mean, obviously give Houston credit for, for finally getting back on the scoring sheet.
2: Yeah, I think it's more about Houston and, and what they were able to do. Um, getting, getting goals after a, a frustrating uh, trip to Seattle, uh, was important for the dynamo. I think they've, there have been some, some decent signs uh, for Houston, uh, in the early stages of this season, but they haven't had enough end product. And, uh, to go out and get three goals, uh, get a good performance from, from rookie Rob Lovejoy uh to really help seal the game uh, in the late stages. Uh, I think it was a it was a good step forward for the dynamo.
0: It was a it was a good day for rookies scoring yesterday or sorry this weekend with Baji, Kyle Kyle Laren and and Lovejoy. Uh let's uh let's turn to San Jose, one nothing over Vancouver. Um a bit of a step back for Vancouver who had uh, kind of taken up that mantle as maybe the best team in the league at the moment or pay, playing the best anyway and they go down to San Jose and lose uh Sana Niyasi with the goal uh, Vancouver is, are they just going to be prone to, to some of these dips every now and then, especially on the road?
2: Yeah, I, I on the road, I think is the key, uh, that every team in MLS is prone to dips. Every team is going to put out a couple of bad performances. Uh, that's just the nature of 34 game season. And Vancouver was not very good on Saturday. Uh, San Jose for that matter was not very good on Saturday. It was a bad game. Uh, <laughs> but. The earthquakes managed to, to grind through it. They improved a little bit after halftime and uh, found a way to get a goal uh, through sheer persistence and, and found a Niasi. So uh, it's it's one of those things where, where the Whitecaps expected more uh, from this week. Uh, they weren't great against Columbus on Wednesday, but they got a point, and, and they certainly weren't good in San Jose on Saturday night. And, and uh, Carl Robinson will have a quiet word with his players and say, look, hey, if we're going to be one of the best teams in the league, we've got to do a little bit better.
0: Speaking of uh, potential one of the best teams in the league, uh, maybe a little bit surprising how quickly it's kind of coalesced under Jesse Marsh in, in Jersey. The Red Bulls go down in D.C. and and get a draw. Now, they needed, obviously, Bill Hamid to sort of spill a ball right in front of the net off of Sasha Kleshton Sasha free kick to get the the point out of D.C., but that's not an easy trip for anybody, uh, and, and and I suppose you give DC United credit certainly for taking the lead late into that match, Kyle. Uh, it, but uh, in terms of where the Red Bulls sit and whether the and where United sits relative relative to each other in terms of, of of your expectations this year, does this game give you any uh, any information at all?
2: Not a ton. Uh, I think uh, for the Red Bulls, it's a good point. Uh, it was a good comeback. Uh, it's a it's a display of the character within the ranks to to be able to. To issue a response immediately, uh, going down to that second goal and then, and then persisting to, to get the point. Uh, for United, I think it's been a lot of the same. They had that, that awful performance in Harrison, but they've, uh, they've leveled out over the past few weeks. Uh, you'd like to see United see out that game at 2-0 up, but, uh, I, I think it's, it's pretty much same as, same as for, for United right now.
0: Well, I mean, and they've, they've obviously counted on Bill Hamid. To bail them out. I'm not saying they lean on him more than any other team in MLS, but he's been pretty good. And to have him make that mistake again, you know, most you either want him to hold that ball, which even if that's difficult, he should be paring it wide, not directly back in front of him. That that's got to be a little bit of a of a gut shot. Now, Hamid goes on international duty with that kind of stuck in his craw.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it it's out of character, certainly. But when, when you ask Hamid to do as much as he's had to do at points this year, you know, these things happen. And it's the same thing uh, with, with Tyler Derrick in, in Houston. He was asked to do far too much in the in the early stages of the season. And he had that, that terrible mistake against uh, Orlando to, to cost the Dynamo points. These things happen when you when you ask a goalkeeper to, to do a lot. And it. It's no reflection on Bill Amid, who has been fantastic, uh, and will respond to that sort of mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's just part and parcel of goalkeeping. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for United, it's, it's a, a sign that they need to still improve a little bit from the run of play and, and really uh, provide more of a foothold, uh, to, to relieve some of that pressure underneath.
0: Last game that I've got here is Sporting Kansas City and RSL. They, they played to a goalless draw. Now that it, it probably wasn't, uh, as nearly as bad as it looks on paper, but Sporting should have probably got, you know, they should have gotten a goal. You could say that they deserved a goal. And meanwhile, RSL, and that's where I'll focus first, Kyle, doesn't seem to be generating a whole lot at the moment. And, you know, maybe this is growing pains under Kassar and, and a shift in system. But if you're RSL and, and the fan base, are you a little worried about the lack of production? Maybe a
2: touch. Um, but, yeah, also have to factor in the circumstances on Saturday. They're going to Sporting Park to play against Sporting Kansas City, a, a team that's going to to push numbers forward and, and press hot. The, the game plan uh, at Sporting Park is always to soak up pressure and wait for the counter. Mm. And RSL did that for the most part. They, they didn't get the counter, certainly. Uh, they, they posed very little threat going forward, but uh, they were able to, do enough defensively to get a point. And that's what you expect, uh, when, when you go on the road and in, in, in the conference, uh, you have to keep a firm base first and foremost. And RSL did that. Now, do you want to create more chances? Absolutely. But you have to get Xiao Plata back, uh, first and, and then see how that impacts things before you can truly assess them. Mm-hmm.
0: A uh, bit of breaking news here. Michael Orozco has been dropped from the uh, national team roster. I don't have that in front of me. Why? But he's been replaced by Perry Kitchen, just for anybody uh, who might be interested in that news. So Perry Kitchen gets a call up to the U.S. national team ahead of Wednesday's Friendly, where Kyle is covering that game. Kyle, before I let you go, uh, there has been, I'm, I'm looking at Twitter, I'm kind of following where the discussion is going this morning. We had that that news yesterday that MLS has signed a deal with Coca-Cola to be the new soft drink sponsor, replacing Pepsi. I'm seeing a tweet here from somebody that says this is worth a, approximately $7 million more to the league than the Pepsi deal. And yet, there's questions over where the salary cap is and where it it's going. I, I know we have a CBA that's going to dictate those terms, but you just mentioned a problem with rapid expansion and the lack of depth. You may not be able to replace a Clint Dempsey and a Robbie Keane in that game, but you... If you, if you have more money available, you should have better options off the bench.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. But that's not necessarily MLS's first priority. Uh, I think if you're MLS, you have to, you, you're looking at the business perspective first. And if you have an opportunity during collective bargaining negotiations to reduce your overhead costs from what they were anticipated to be over the next few years, then, then you go ahead and take that. Uh, it's not like MLS is in a, a financial position where they can just spend money wantonly. They have to. They have to be prudent with, with how they approach things. And uh, is it weird to juxtapose the fact that MLS has a you know, sub four million uh, salary budget every year with the fact that uh, Coca Cola is willing to pay high seven figures to sponsor the league? Of course it is, uh, and I can understand the frustration. Uh, but MLS, as they will tell you, uh, are a business first and foremost, and uh, that that goes into it certainly.
0: Well, I, I'm seeing now. I'm seeing conflicting things on Twitter I, again. Don't trust Twitter. I got some. I got some some tweet that's saying it's worth more the league, more to the league over the life of the uh, of the deal, and then somebody else saying it's actually they're actually paying less annually than Pepsi did. It, regardless, the point is that if MLS is going to be signing these deals, people are going to be calling for that salary cap to move up. Uh, more in a, in a quicker manner than, than we've seen it. And then again, if you're going to, if you're going to have this be at the same time as rapid expansion, I think that's where people's questions will be, Kyle. And, and we'll have to see because MLS, you know, for all of the gains that they've had, if we start to see a significant decline in the quality of the play, and I'm, you know, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing some games that just don't look good. Uh, people are going to notice.
2: Absolutely. And it's important for. Diehard supporters to, to voice those concerns. And, and I think you see that every weekend. You see people who are invested in the league, who are concerned about the future, and who are saying, look, this, the quality hasn't been as good as you want it to be uh, over the first six weeks of the season. And it, it's important to have that say. Uh, the, the issue, as always, is, is how do you balance that? Mm. Uh, from MLS's perspective, we're we're there, uh, primarily focused on on getting the bottom line right, yeah. and and that's a that's a difficult course to chart. And and one way uh, you, you could see MLS address the situation somewhere down the line is to, to increase spending at the top end, uh, and and find ways to to funnel that money back into uh, bigger name stars, uh, perhaps adjusting the designated player rule. Uh, figuring out ways to, to spend in areas, uh, that aren't necessarily related to, to boosting the salary budget. But mm. it, it's a lot of parlor, uh, talk. MLS just, just finished a collective bargaining negotiation. So, uh, it, it's, it's certainly worth monitoring, uh, especially if the, if the quality of play continues uh, as it has over the first few
0: years. We're out of time. Kyle McCarthy, Kyle J. McCarthy on Twitter, inside MLS over at Fox. Sports. Thanks for your time, Kyle. Enjoy the game on uh, on Wednesday night. Perhaps I'll get a chance to talk to you about USA Mexico at some point.
2: Sounds good, my friend. Thank you.
0: There goes Kyle McCarthy. Excellent. As always, let's take a break when we come back. Jeff Kasouf from Equalizer Soccer will talk NWSL with us. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back, talking NWSL with Jeff Kasup from Equalizer Soccer and other outlets. Uh, Jeff, how are you?
1: I'm great. The league is back, so busy weekends again.
0: Now, lots of things to talk about, lots of stuff from the opening weekend, uh, sort of outlining the talking points ahead of, of our chat here and, and you, fo- you, you mentioned Seattle right off the bat and, and what they did, uh, to the flash. Give me a, give me a run. I mean, uh, it's week one. We don't want to make any grand conclusions yet. And yet I, I get the sense that, that Seattle is just going to be one of those teams throughout the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that they're a team that, um, as much as anybody carried over the talent that they had last year, and they're not going to lose any, um, uh, almost anything, uh, obviously hope solo and net, but the, most of that team will be around for the entirety of the season and it won't be lost to the World Cup. So, um, you know, carrying over what they did last year, a record unbeaten run, um, really just steamrolling the entire league up until that championship game. Um, that there's, they're, they're going to be a team that's going to be scary again this year.
0: And, uh, Megan Rapino with a hat trick, uh, for the rain. And is, where, I mean, where's the strength in this team? And maybe, maybe if you can give me a sense of what you, what you saw from the flash and is this going to be a, a theme for them? Is it just, they hit a, they hit a, um, a buzzsaw here in the rain, but are they going to have struggles through the, through the rest of the season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be growing pains for the flash. They're a young team. Uh, they only brought back, uh, you know, their roster only consists of four people who actually played for the team last year because they just, um, they hit a little bit of adversity and had a house cleaning. So, um, you know, I think that they're going to take some time to progress. They're going to take some time to um really start hitting all cylinders. And unfortunately for them, uh, they had to play their opener against uh, probably the best team in the league away across the country um, on a day that, you know, some things went Seattle's way. I mean Megan Rapino was great. She's not usually a presence in the air, scoring twice from her head. So um, a lot of things clicked for Seattle and it was just um you know an unfortunate case of um flash need time and they happen to debut against a great team.
0: Uh yeah, and going across the country, as you said, I can't I can't imagine that's a very easy thing, and um, we see it uh in sports all the time, going uh, across the continent here. Uh in and travel, I guess we don't talk a lot about it in W S L but it's certainly a, a factor. Uh, the the uh Portland Thorns also with a a big win and in the scoreline there five one for the rain four one for the Thorns. The, we're not going to see a big separation and a lot of big scorelines this year, are we? Um, you know, <laughs>
1: I think anything can happen during this World Cup. I mean, I think that you're going to see a lot of amateur players um in June. Uh, some of July and, and, you know, even, I mean, we're seeing them already. So, um, th- there's gonna be some unpredictable games here in the sense that you're gonna have a lot of people who are, you know, for lack of a better word, no names in a sense that, that are stepping into big roles, um, which I think can bring, you know, uh, some shockingly, you know, lopsided results or yeah. it can, you know, it can bring some unlikely heroes. So, um, I think that lopsided results can be, could be a theme here, especially with a couple of, um, you know, teams where I think Boston's going to really struggle this year. Like I said, the flash will have to take some time. They're not going to lose 5-1 every time by any means. I think that they'll get their feet under them and, and, uh, find some consistency. But, um, th- there could be some lopsided results, uh, especially in June.
0: And you, as you said, the unpredictability this season with the Women's World Cup coming up and everything else. If you like your leagues, if you like your sports to be, I have no idea what's going to happen. NWSL might be your game <laughs> this season. Um, let's, uh, let's talk some more about winners here. Houston actually opened up the season on Friday with a two nothing win over the spirit. Um, give me a, give me a sense of what we can expect from the dash in here too.
1: Well, the dash were really impressive on Friday. Uh, more impressive than I would have guessed actually. And I think the problem for them is going to be that, um, they were largely in part with, uh, you know, they're internationals in town. I mean, Carly Lloyd, uh, first goal of the season for the entire league was, was an absolute rocket. And, you know, obviously she's going to be there another week or two. Um, and then she'll be gone until, you know, likely mid-July. So the dash, um, you know, very impressive start, but I think the problem for them is going to be depth. Um, you know, especially in the back, they're already playing converted forwards in the back, um, and converted forwards who they literally converted a, a week or two ago. So, um it, they're going to be stretched thin they'll probably give up a, a good amount of goals and and you know um for them a pretty good debut in the sense that the spirit um also a team that are sort of still figuring themselves out and um you know the dash bringing in Carly Lloyd uh, Morgan Bryan Megan Klingenberg for these first few weeks is is really helpful for them but could be a team that you know in the long run here come september um may struggle
0: well uh, uh, bad news for this uh, for the spirit um Allie Krieger with um a concussion, a head injury. Uh, this obviously was not a good moment. Is there a, no. Is there any um, prognosis yet? Yeah, I know she traveled with the team back to, um, uh, back to Washington. But is there? Is there a sense that this is going to be something that's going to linger and, and potentially affect her her national team uh, play?
1: Uh, I mean, I think there's always the the unfortunate potential that this kind of a thing could linger. I mean, we see it with with so many players. Um, I mean, she gave. Uh, a pretty positive update um she she tweeted out a few things and and the spirit had done so as well was saying it was you know a mild concussion, and she's going through the protocol and um you know she she herself wrote that she's feeling better but i I mean I think you know this is one of those things that um you know Friday could come and she could be listed as questionable, and you know who knows the next Friday could come and she could be listed as questionable, so I think it's probably uh it's too early to panic in the sense that you know could this be a problem come june i don't necessarily think so but i mean you know i don't think any of us really know when it comes to a head injury and and one that was that ugly. i mean that was a scary scary moment i mean she was in the neck brace she was strapped in um it it didn't look good so where exactly she is in terms of you know returning to full contact um i think is going to be a a wait and see game
0: back to the results the uh, defending champs uh fc kansas city lose to sky blue fc um you know this uh, when it comes to unpredictability and we sort of identified, um, you know, who the who the uh, good teams are so far, but with a, a sense that things can change pretty quickly. FC Kansas City, what what kind of likelihood is, is there that they may be able to actually defend their their title?
1: Oh, well, I think it's pretty strong likelihood. I mean, I think that they're they're certainly a playoff team and full strength, um, which they. Uh, more or less were yesterday and are pretty unfortunate for them, the result. But I think at full strength, they're, um, again, probably top two. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a rematch of last year's final come September. Um I think Seattle showed that, and, and Kansas City probably showed some of that on Sunday without the actual scoreline. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, we mentioned it already, but this league, uh, the parity in it, um, you know, Sky Blue didn't do a lot to deserve that result necessarily. I think both coaches... More or less said as much after the match, but, um, you know, Nadia Nadim is a, proven to be a game changer again. And, and Kansas City, um, it'll be something to, to keep an eye on because 2013 and some parts of 2014, Kansas City's one Achilles heel was just not finishing games. And, and that's what we saw in week one here. So, uh, too early to say that it's carried over and, by any means, but it, it's something to keep an eye on for sure for the Blues. Well,
0: how's the, you know, for, for, For people who are obviously going to be focused in on the Women's World Cup this summer and, and looking at the, the women's, the U.S. women's national team specifically. But we know this is a league that was built on the idea of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico all, uh, throwing players into the pot and trying to, to make a go of a, of a professional women's league that would last. What's the, the balance of, of international players? I mean, you look at Nadim, just for example. Um, the balance of international players who are going to be around or won't be around. you have already identified some of the amateur stuff. I guess what I'm, I'm getting to, Jeff, is: Are we going to have an extremely large disparity in in the talent levels that are on the field when we get to June? Um,
1: I, I think that the, there will be a decent amount of that. I mean, look, there there will be internationals like a, a Nadim, who, um, I mean, I think Nadim has a, the potential to be one of the best players in the league this year, um, from the standpoint of who she is and what she does, as well as the fact that she'll be here all year. Right. Um, you know, you look at these U.S. players, they'll be here for another couple weeks, and then they're off to camp on May 1st, and you may not see them again for at least two months. And, and there'll be similar things there with, um, you know, all the other national team players. Canada will be a big, a big drop off. So, um, I think that the, you will see a huge disparity. Like I said, the amateurs, Already being called upon um, you know some of these players who unless you're really really um, inside baseball and women's soccer that their' names that you've just never heard of and maybe gone to schools that you've never even heard of um, that are stepping on the field and maybe going up and having to defend a Nadia and the deem, so um, I think there will be a disparity um, you know there's it, it gets even more interesting when you look at the fact that these are amateurs who aren't play who aren't paid oh, um, you know th- there's going to be a wide range of talent, and, and that's sort of been a, Every coach has approached it differently in terms of what they want to, or how they wanted to build their team. You know, some of them have gone completely away from internationals. They want a core group. Um, some of them have tried to, you know, still rely upon them and know that they'll make a second half surge when they all get back in July. So, um, how those play out will be interesting to see.
0: Do you have any names? I mean, you throw Nadim obviously out there, but do you have anybody else that that people should be looking for when? When the UNS internationals uh, go away on May 1st, when the Canadian internationals go away, when some of these other big names leave, who who should we be looking for? I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to see how even the play is considering the amateurs involved and, and some of the level. But are there, are, there, are, there women, are there girls out there, are there women out there who you, you know are going to have to be stars and are going to have to carry their teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that some of them are names that maybe, um, those semi-familiar with the league have seen from, from last year. I mean, look, you know, Seattle again, to come back to them, um, not really losing any of their field players, um, to the World Cup. So, you know, Kim Little, MVP last year, who, who I think, I mean, she wasn't on the ballot because whatever for FIFA World Player of the Year, but she should have been, um, she was that good and she'll be here the entire season because Scotland failed to qualify, um, you know, her midfield partner there, um, Jess Fishlock, uh, is, is Welsh and she, you know, Wales failed to qualify. So a lot of these Seattle midfielders that have been spectacular, um, will be here the entire year. And, and I think that'll be a big thing that'll carry the rain. Um, and you'll see these sort of, um, you know, I don't know if mid-level is a, a fair way to put it. Uh, almost maybe the group of snubs is maybe a fair way to put it of players that, um, you know, a whole nother topic of maybe should have some U.S. caps or call-ups that, that don't. And they're sort of on that cusp, like, um, you know, a Becky Edwards, a Jen Buskowski, um, even an Allie Long getting in and out um, of camps that, you know, these players who are sort of on the cusp haven't really gotten a look and maybe are maybe part of the next cycle somehow, um, I think, are players that are really going to break out this year.
0: We can't get away from the, the the health of the league as being a talking point, Jeff. It's just going to be a, a thing until the NWSL, and we all hope this is true, is 10 or 12 or 15 years in. How was the opening weekend from a business perspective?
1: Uh, I think it varied. Um, you know, I think the, the attendance in Houston was, was good. I know that they were happy with it. The, the Dash and Dynamo folks there. Um, you know, playing in Sporting Park for Kansas City on Sunday was, was good to see. I think the crowd was pretty good, uh, about eight and a half thousand. So, um, you know, in Sporting Park that looked okay and, you know, sounded okay. And, and I'm sure that, you know, it's something to build upon for more games in that building. Um, you know, the, the Seattle crowd, a bit concerning. I know there's some weather stuff there, but, you know, given the quality and everything, I know it was up against the, you know, same time as the sounders being on the road. And, you know, there's all these factors. So I think, you know, generally there's, there's certainly nothing to, to look at and say, well, this is, you know, this is the sign of the end or anything. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I think there's some positive signs. Um, that there's all this chatter of expansion, which we sort of, as, as everything adds up, we see that, um, you know, I talked to Commissioner Jeff Plush and he said there's six expansion candidates and, you know, we sort of have independently, um, myself and, and Dan Laletta and, and some others have sort of identified individually these markets. And then you hear that three are on the West Coast and then you hear that three are MLS clubs and you sort of narrow down maybe who they are.
2: So, mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, I think the expansion talk is good and, um, we'll see. I, I would say what I've been saying is that, you know, of the three leagues that, um as much as this is backing into it um it's it's the least scary of the three going in the year three so
0: certainly uh, certainly a benefit uh, last thing I, I it came to me while we were talking about this World cup and the impact it's gonna have on the league when you have you said these amateurs are coming in they're gonna play now I imagine that for a lot of that for a lot of them that's a matter of they gotta keep, they gotta keep their eligibility for the NCAA. uh, yeah. uh for the n c w a but is there is there any I mean, is there anything wrong with that from your perspective? Is there, I mean, there's certainly not going to be a legal argument that they have to be paid if they're choosing to play as amateurs, but that's, that, it just doesn't seem exactly right. No, I mean, some,
1: some folks have raised that and, and frankly, uh, I mean, it's something that I think myself and, and others should more, uh, should look into a bit more for sure is, um, you know, the, there are issues there with, uh, with fifth pro as I understand it in terms of, um, the sanctioning of the league and the level of the league um being that you know that full time d one and 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 using amateurs who aren 't getting paid so um it, it's it's there's something a bit wrong about it, and i actually uh you know shameless plug kind of deal i mean we just put out something on in long form on n b c on on friday and sort of you know even the ones who are getting paid are making six thousand dollars a year, and you know that 's another conversation of you know how do you live off of it and there's those realities of it but um mm-hmm. There are some things that I think are just growing pains, I think m l s fans can relate to them to the days when you know developmental players were making their twelve thousand five hundred or whatever it was, and it was you know that was only eight or ten years ago, so um I think there's parallels there and uh you know the use of amateur players i think is is quietly contentious in terms of um how they are being uh you know dealt with and just you know relied upon so heavily and not getting paid obviously.
0: Certainly something to watch. Make sure you check that out, uh, that piece over at NBC Sports. Jeff Kasouf, also at EqualizerSoccer.com. Thanks for your time as always, Jeff. Enjoyed it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Jason. There you go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will open up those phone lines. Get your thoughts on anything and everything. 646-832-3909. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning, phone lines open, 646-832-3909. Lots of discussion again going on over how MLS is supposed to improve the quality of play, certainly the television ratings because those have to get better in order for MLS to get where it wants to be. Every time Don Garber opens his mouth and says, we want to be a top league in the world by 2022, we all chuckle a little bit and go, how? How exactly do you intend to get there? When you sign deals with Coke, that's great. coca cola is on board, I right, fantastic. Especially if, if Pepsi's moved on. And again, I'm not quite sure if this deal is worth more or less than the Pepsi deal. I don't know that it's either here nor there. There are plenty of new sponsorships that MLS is garnering that indicate that there is money to be made from these companies interested in the target demographics that MLS can boast. But in order to grow and get where you want to be, meeting that goal of 2022, you're going to have to improve the quality of the product, prove the television ratings, and again, put more money back into the system. And I do think it's important to note every single time that we talk about money in MLS, we have to remember how much money went down the drain between the years of 1996 and 2007, 2008, 2009. We're not talking about a league, and they, st- you know, obviously MLS still claims to be in the red. That certainly was the talking point during the CBA negotiations. We're still in the red. We're not making any money. This is a league that is still a hundred million dollars uh, still a hundred million dollars down blah blah blah, and I think people don't want to re people don't want to believe this, and yes, there are different ways that you can account for the money spent on MLS now spent on MLs fifteen years ago. You have to ask yourself and I think this is a, a question of how much you put on the game, how much you your loyalty is to the game and how much your loyalty is to your your rationale is that the people involved in the game, the people who put that money down the drain back in 2000, well, they deserve to get their money back. Typically, sports ownership, certainly soccer ownership, is not a money-making proposition. Owners don't go into this business to make a bunch of money at least not year over year they're not looking hey let's yeah oh, we got we got some money coming in uh we're running at you know we're running a surplus this year I'm taking that money out and putting it in my pocket first of all the fans don't like that definitely not in Europe put the money back into the team and if you're an owner the goal I suppose if you want to look at it as an investment is that the value of your team goes from whatever you paid for it, to something much, much higher. So when you sell it, you are making out. Is the, is the salary cap too low? I'm not sure you're going to find anybody who doesn't think that the salary cap is too low. Do these sponsorships that MLS is getting from Coke and Audi and who else? There's more out there I'm missing. American Express, somebody, right? Do those directly impact your thoughts on the on the salary cap? Does the 90 million dollar TV deal impact your thoughts on the salary cap? You could argue, I'm not making this argument, but you could certainly see it this way, and this is definitely how MLS is viewing it. That they got to get up to a certain level. You got to they got to balance some things out before they can jump ahead, start throwing money at the cap. I want the cap to grow because I want the league to get better. And as I said to Kyle McCarthy, you look at the expansion that we've had, whatever the reasons are. Logically, it looks like it's it's because of expansion, it's because of depth issues, because of injuries. But you look at what's going on, and you you wonder about the quality. You wonder if we can keep it going. Let's get to Mark Fishkin on the line from Seeing Red here on Backyard.com. Hey, hey, Mark, what's going on?
2: I'm. Uh, I'm. Enjo- What's going on with you? I'm. I'm enjoying the, the conversation a lot, uh, especially you know with the the word of the new pope deal. I think what everyone has to consider is um, over the the last you know, few years. You talk about development academy teams. You talk about now entire USL teams, which by and large, uh, I, I guess if you're not in the Pacific Northwest, are are really just a development expense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean here is an entirely second new team for some of these clubs that is going to generate almost no revenue. Mm. And that has to be thrown into the mix as well. I mean, we know that Don has said a number of times, uh, you know, we're spending X percent more on player development than, you know, we spent more last year than we spent in the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, it, I, I kind of have to believe that. I, I think, that's, the question I think is, that's
0: true, Mark. I, I, just let me chip in here. I think that what's what's interesting is to consider is that for a lot of fans, this is hidden money. This is, this is not money that we see out in, in the, you know, again, a salary, especially because the players union releases these numbers is a very public thing that we can see. Oh, these guys are making, he's making a right. hundred. He's making 250. This guy's making six million. We don't know exactly. We can only take the league's word on it that they're spending 25 million on, on development or whatever the number is right now. It almost doesn't matter. And that they're putting forth, again, they're putting forth this money into the USL programs to to get uh you know to get you, you got to run the team you got to send them places you got to feed them you know obviously some of these guys are senior level players who go down for a bit but a, but a lot of them aren't there's are USL contracts and the teams are running these these clubs now go, go ahead yeah i was just going to say
2: and and I, I don't necessarily have a dog in the you know in the owners versus players but i i think everyone wants to see better played, um, a better paid American talent. And I think everybody wants to see more DPs brought in because when you think about um, what's going to attract a national television audience, it's not necessarily going to be the DeAndre Edwins of the world, right? When he comes to town or on national TV, I've got to see that kid who's a product from a local development uh, academy, but they want to see name players that, um, that may be global soccer names. And that's, What's going to draw more eyeballs to a match? And so you'd like to see some of the, the new sponsorship money funneled, frankly, if the goal is more TV ratings, yeah. to, to go ahead yeah. and grab more of those name yeah. players almost exclusively.
0: Yeah, i got to move on, Mark. Appreciate the phone call. Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red. You should be listening to that podcast. It's Red Bull's focus, but it's pretty good. Any MLS fan can get something out of it. Mark, thanks a lot. Yep, thank you. All right, I got to move on here. Let's uh, let's go to Jerry in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, wants to talk about uh, this MLS situation. I'm not sure if he's talking about this week or what, and the San Jose Earthquake stadium. What's up? What's up, Jerry?
2: Hey, um, well, not not just this week in general, but it it ties into the whole revenue discussion because uh, for the first time this weekend I was able to watch a San Jose match with their new stadium, which is fantastic, honestly. But, uh. I did have a problem with it in a way. It it's mainly come to the, uh, that, that bar that they have set up yeah. at the, uh, at the stadium. The which wor- is, wait, Jerry, which the, the world, I know the the it looks great and everything, but I feel like it completely destroys the atmosphere in that stadium. Uh, maybe it like, does. I was watching it and people were milling about the entire time. It was just really strange. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, a lot of a lot of owners in this in this league do things to make more money I'm sure they're making a killing off of it but it just doesn't strike me as a soccer athlete. well look it's a little I, it, I it,
0: Jerry it's a little gimmicky right I mean it's it and I think mm-hmm. that 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 these owners and these teams have a balancing act that they have to pull out they have to go okay how much can we just count on the fact that we've got a new stadium and our team is is going to win enough games to get people is you know is that enough or do we need to throw a gimmick in here do we need a the world's longest outdoor bar in San Jose and and maybe they don't they maybe they didn't believe enough in their product or maybe they just thought from a business perspective that's the right way to go I can see what you're saying though it certainly is an issue and, and when we, yeah when it, when it comes to the to the revenue issue here we're, we're talking about uh obviously MLs and, and what kind of investment they they need to make and and th- this again comes to what you're talking about and I'm not picking on you jerry but I do think that as American soccer fans now, and as MLS fans, we've had we've seen so many advancements. We've seen so much growth. We've seen so many stadiums. We've seen so much, uh, you know, DPS with big names coming into this league. We're greedy as hell. We are greedy as yeah. we want. We want everything to be exactly the way we want it. We want the salary cap to be tripled. We want our stadiums to be exactly the way that they should be. We want, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in fact, if we if we're not greedy, then the league stagnates and doesn't go anywhere but I'm just pointing it out, Jerry. Yeah, no,
2: no, it's, it's fair. It's fair, but we're all like, we're all pining for, for the best league that, that we can possibly have. But yeah. I just feel like it's, it's strange. Cause like when I, the other day, de- another night I watched that, uh, Concord half champions league match in, uh, Costa Rica. And, and I understand like, we don't want to have an atmosphere where people are, you know, throwing batteries or bags of pee or something like that. But like, it just doesn't seem like I don't, see any I don't see any atmosphere in the league, even like say Portland or Seattle where there's great support, but there's no you don't really feel like everybody's invested in a way. You know what I mean? There's no scary atmosphere in MLS. I, I, in world, I think right? I think that
0: look I w I don't want I don't know if <laughs> I want scary. I'm okay with the way Seattle yeah. and Portland do it. Thanks for the call, Jerry. I, I, I do think that yeah. look we're we're in a modern sports age and this is going to be a situation where Sometimes people just aren't going to be as invested as as our as the diehard fans want them to be. This happens at every sporting event in this country: NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey. You have casuals, you have tourists. They're not buying in. They're just there to have a nice day out at the park or at the rink or at the basketball uh, the arena, whatever it is, to be seen or 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 to look around and, and look. People walk. It's it's fine. It's fine. Let's all calm down. Rick, uh, Rick, and Philly wants to talk about uh, Eduardo Galeano. What's up?
1: Uh, hey, Jason, I missed the beginning of the show, so I don't know if you already brought this up. But I mean, it's it's a it's a huge loss for literature, and it's a huge loss, I think, for soccer. Most people talk about serious books about soccer, you know, artistic books about soccer, and they bring up Nick Hornby as being the beginning of it. But it's really Galeano and and his descriptions of matches in soccer and sun and shadow. Uh, are one of the things that really drew me to the sport in the first place. I, it's sort of an odd thing to call about, but when I was in college, um, my minor was Latin American history, and one of my professors gave me the stack of Galliano books, and I didn't get to Soccer and Sun and Shadow until I had actually graduated, and it just changed my perception of, of everything about the sport, about what was happening on the field, about, about the players, about the fans and their interaction. It, it's just a tremendous loss.
0: It's certainly uh, worth noting the passing of Eduardo Galeano, uh Uruguayan writer. Um uh, and, and as you said, Rick, I, I you know I I grew up before soccer became my my overriding passion. I grew up a baseball guy. And and baseball has a tradition of that sort of uh lyrical, evocative writing, the the magic of the game, um the the, mm-hmm. the, the romance of the game. And, and this is why I, this is why soccer and sun and shadow is on my list and, and I need to get to it is because I think soccer lends itself. This is the connection for me. I don't know if this is a connection for anybody else, but the connection between baseball and soccer for me is the history of the two sports, the working class roots. And, and again, the way that those games for different reasons lend themselves to that romance. Um, it's, it's good to, it's good to mark his passing. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Anything else? No, no, He's gone. I, I, lost Rick. He jumped out. Didn't have, didn't want to talk about his union winning a game. Didn't want to talk Ajax. Only wanted to talk about Eduardo Galliano, Which again, is fine. Absolutely fine. At 74 years old, uh, has passed away. Uh, all over, all over Twitter, people are, uh, sending out their, uh, their thoughts on this. Uh, let me get back to Twitter here. Coleman on Twitter. More, more MLSDPs equals more immediate viewership, but it's best idea for growing quality of the product. Play on the field and the brand long term. Is it the best idea? Uh, This is the, this is the multi million slash billion dollar question ultimately for MLS. This is what the whole thing comes down to with the strategic thinking of the league. This is why we talk, this is why so much of our focus. And I mentioned that Simon Evans piece over at World Soccer Talk last week. Go read it. So much of the focus is on the way we do the sport and not just the sport itself. Soccer's not going anywhere, people. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here. We're going to talk about this game. We're going to love this game. We're going to watch this game. We're going to watch the goals. We are here. Soccer is here. The league isn't going anywhere. And yet there are still so many questions as to how to get where we want it to be. And if you are the type of person who wants to see MLS become a top league in the world, and honestly, honestly, maybe I'm boring for this. I just, I'm just glad it's here. I, I'm glad I get to watch it every weekend. Yeah, I, I do root for the league to get better and I root for, for all of American soccer to get better. But ultimately come a long way already. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's the, it's the question. How much do you give? How much do you give over to those marquee names? Because they grab, they grab people's attention and how much do you put into the, in, into the bottom level? How much infrastructure do you spend on? what what do you do exactly to make sure because guess what that is not a guaranteed thing you can put all the money you want into the academies you can put all the money you want into your developmental systems into your uh into getting your USL pro team to start producing senior level talent that's going to come in be ready to play you can do all of those things and and, and still fail at it you can still fail so I think MLS sees this certainly from a business perspective, I'm playing devil's advocate here. The, the owners in that room, the people in charge of directing that strategy go if we spend if we spend six million dollars on this player, eight million dollars on this player, five million four million three million if we do that, we're going to get more people in the stadium. We're going to sell more tickets, we'll get more eyeballs on our television product. we'll get a little more money into the system, and we can continue to grow. But if you try to sell them, and I'm not, again, this is about the game itself. Try to sell them on putting a bunch of money into an academy, into a youth team, into those kinds of things. They can't see the return right away. You can't see, you can't, it's much easier to see the return on a DP than it is on a homegrown talent. There are only so many DeAndre Edlins. There are only so many Andy Nahars. They just they don't come around that often, and I think it's a tough sell. So when the question is, is it better long-term? What's best for the league long-term? I I don't know. I don't know because I, I, I could make the argument right now. The more you spend on those big names, the more money you get into the system, and you can continue to – they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, you're taking some money out of pot A to put it into pot B or vice versa but there are lots of ways to tackle this issue Jason on uh, Jason on Twitter unless foreign slots change the ceiling for MLS will always be the quality of U.S player pool player development is key Let, they could make a change to those foreign player slots absolutely they could do that and, and I think that in the short term that might be the way to go if you are suffering from a deficit of uh, of depth now obviously the foreign player costs more than the American player we know that we know why so you better up the salary cap that's you know you could argue that this league should be for mls or for american players for canadian players and yet in order to keep the league at that that quality level that we've been cu- become accustomed to and things have gotten better over the last 5 years you better reinvigorate the player pool and how do you do that exactly you can't turn out a bunch of top level professionals from the academies that are five years old you can continue to invest there but you're going to have to go outside of these borders to find the players who are going to help MLS stay good that's the question here all right just a couple minutes left 646-832-3909 I got some stuff to do today I gotta run we have any callers lined up am I missing anybody yet Lots of uh lots of talk lots of things to talk about from the weekend. Nobody's mentioned yet the Manchester Derby. Haven't seen that. Patrick on Twitter, can you MLS us use some of uh some or all of this sponsorship money for some new refs? This weekend was aw- was awful. Uh, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. Yeah, can we pay some can we, can we get some new refs in here? Are these guys full time yet? Uh referring as like my least favorite thing to talk about. I know it's a problem. I know it needs addressing. I think pro is trying. What that means exactly? I don't know, but I hate talking about referees. Cuz when they ruin games it's just so sad. It brings me down. When when they hand out yellow cards or red cards or penalties that change games and it's not even about that really. I mean, a referee can have an awful game and never hand out any questionable call with a card or a penalty. Just fouls can be questionable. Fouls can change the rhythm of a game and wreck anything that might be entertaining about it. That's that's an issue, too. Garrett on Twitter says that uh, we need a coffee sponsorship. I don't have my mug with me this morning. I didn't get a chance to grab it. Suggests Tim Horton's. Or Dunkin' Donuts. Those are only, those are the big ones, right? Those are the, is there anybody else? I mean, I guess Starbucks, whatever. Starbucks not putting money into soccer. Coleman says that MLS is banking on the American public not being able to unequivocally identify quality soccer and wanting to sugar it up to gain views. I don't know that that's, I don't know that's necessarily true. I don't think it's interesting to consider that you have competing interests here between the notion of whether or not uh, whether or not the owners want to put together teams to win games or they want to curry if they want to curry an mls quality up the ladder overall do are these are those things can can they coexist exactly right exactly i mean look Merritt Polson may want to go win the champions league and in order to do that he's going to need better players more money but he also probably wants to see the quality of the league go up overall. So when he goes into that room and he sits down and says, "We need to spend more money," do those other owners agree with him on that front? And again, we've seen that we talked about the split, perhaps that may or may not be there. Let's go to Alex in Brooklyn. What's up?
1: Hi, this is Alex from Brooklyn. Um, I just, I just wanted that. to
2: talk about the the MLS revenue. Sure. I think um. A lot of it has been made up the the Coke deal, but they've also been getting revenues from the Sky Sports deal. Sure. The and that's going into into the Middle East and the new Brazil TV deal. So.
0: Well, yeah, those aren't those aren't big those aren't big dollars, Alex. I mean, relatively speaking, I'm not saying they're not they're not consequential on some level, but let's not act like signing a deal to get MLS on late night in in England with or uh, Britain with Sky Sports or on television in Brazil is somehow going to uh well, I'm
2: not saying that it's big dollars but the thing is it I feel my my personal opinion is that it should be at least 5 million and right now is at 3.7 something
0: yeah well that
2: that is a big jump for one from 3.7
0: to five is like a one point three million dollar difference so what's okay you, know? uh, you look I, I, alex I, I look that sounds it is a lot of money obviously So it's a lot of money for me if somebody wants to improve uh, you know give me a, a raise of, of that amount I, i'll take it in a second uh, but oh, it's for an entire team no i know that david and what, what uh, alex what i'm saying though is that it's sort of an arbitrary thing we pick these numbers out of out of thin air we say all right, the league the the salary cap needs to be this amount it needs to be that amount the the problem i think is that until mls is flat out on a level competing with the the the, the leagues that are sort of in its orbit meaning meaning liga mx certainly meaning some of the south american leagues uh, argentina brazil in, until until mls is on that level maybe even like competing with the big teams in colombia places like that it's 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 not gonna, yeah, ma- you it's not gonna matter.
2: You cannot, but you cannot compete without the. No, 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 no,
0: But what I'm saying, Alex, is is that it's arbitrary to say that the league. I'm not saying the salary cap shouldn't go up, and the quality should go up with, uh, with a salary cap increase. And teams need to be teams need to be investing in scouting, and player identification, and putting together a system that works for their teams. All of these things are variables that come into play when you talk about the quality of the league, and for us to put an arbitrary number. Thanks for the call, David. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you go. If you put a a arbitrary number on the salary cap and just say, Oh, it needs to be five million. Well, why exactly? I mean, I I think it's fine to identify that. But what, what exactly is that supposed to like? How how many players is that? How much quality is that? Lots of questions to answer. No, no easy ones either. All right. Let's, uh, let's get this uh, show wrapped up. Thank you very much to our guest today, Kyle McCarthy. And Jeff Kasouf, make sure you go to 3 nailfc.com to buy a T-shirt. And uh, backhill.com slash store to get yourself a mug. My voice is going out, and I, gotta, I literally got to run. I got stuff to do. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Big Tuesday episode of the program. See you then.